awesome, man. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? Good morning, Vietnam! I love the smell of night pump in the morning. You're gonna need a bigger boat. I feel the need. The need for speed. I wish I knew how to quit you. Love means never having to say you're sorry. You do! You'll shoot your eye out, kid. What's up, film fans? Welcome to a new episode. Welcome to Under the Silver Lake, and welcome to a new bonus episode of the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Juan, and I am joined here by the cast, crew, the fellers. Edward? How's it going, folks? Y'all doing good? Craig? What's happening? It's, uh, uh, just, it was like a few days ago we just got done talking about a, a movie. Hmm. Uh, I wonder what that was. We did, honestly. We just got done talking about Bodies, Bodies, Bodies uh, on Monday night. So you guys can go check that out wherever you listen to podcasts at. Um, Anchor, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Pandora, uh, prescribedfilms.com, PFPN. So go check them out. Um, what about you guys? You guys uh, having a good Thursday? You guys glad tomorrow is a uh, Friday? Yeah, so far so good. It's been a good day for me. Uh, I mean, you know, we don't have 113 degrees going on, you know, in Oklahoma, so that's good. As well as, yeah, Friday looks like it's going to be a decent day too. So, all in, Mister uh, Mister Tony Stank. I'm geeked up right now. <laughs> up. Go ahead and let, let let everybody know who's watching, and then who's going to listen later on this weekend out in podcast. And what let them know why you're so stoked. Share it. Um, so living in Oklahoma, we have a uh, very storied and traditioned college football program. Um, and so I personally have never met um, Barry Switzer. And today uh, at my job, undisclosed location, um, he was there, kind of poked his head in my room, and he was looking for the restroom. And I stepped outside, and I was like, is that Barry Switzer? And they're like, yeah. And uh, I got to meet the guy. I got to sit in in a very intimate setting with about five or six other people and just listen to him tell stories and call past players. Um, and uh, I got a football sign. So, yeah, I mean, the the king, royalty in Oklahoma, um, just uh, something I never thought was going to happen, happened today. And, and one of the biggest ways I, I could have ever imagined, you know, it wasn't just like I was at a sporting event and, so I said hi, shook his hand. Like I actually got to sit right next to him and just hear stories that I think are are were pretty personal, honestly. So good old Barry Switzer. You know, Barry Switzer is also That's a former Super Bowl winning head yeah. coach for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and he talked about um, one of his stories was talking about uh, coaching Monday Night Football. Um, it was just it don't get no bigger than that. Ah, ah, Monday night no. football. It was uh, it was just something I'll remember for the rest of my life, honestly. Oh yeah, for sure on that. Hell so. yeah. Um. So yeah, what a what a Thursday for you, Craig. Man, what a way to go into the weekend. Um, like you said, cooler what? weather. Football's coming. Yeah. Madden gets released tomorrow. Um, I've actually been playing the trial. Yeah. I got I got the EA little monthly thing that they have, and so I got a ten hour trial. This year's Madden, low key fire. Like I was not going to get it this year. I was like, it's going to be the same old Madden. 
They they've added some good stuff to it. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm excited for for NCAA a lot more after playing this game. I did read uh, news that they were not going to elect a former college football player or Heisman winner to be on the game. They're going with a current player who's yep. currently in college right now, which I think is tremendous. As yeah, they I, should. Yeah, well, so they're paying them, you, so you might as well go yeah. ahead and put them on there. Before you couldn't pay the players and you couldn't use their name or image for the cover. Now the players can be paid, so they're going to choose somebody who is in high demand, likely to win the Heisman, and uh, throw them on the cover. Go ahead and put old running back from the University of Texas on the cover, and he'll be just fine. Bijan Mustardson. You Bijan see, he signed Mustardson. an he signed an NIL deal with a mustard company. Yeah. Hey, and he's hey, still getting that money with that if, though. If, exactly. If you, yeah. If you can get that bread, go ahead and put a little mustard on it. You know what I mean? If, if all you got to do is throw your name and picture on a can of mustard, and you get a royalty for it. I'm all for it. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. all for it. No, uh-huh. honestly, how much do you want to bet it's going to probably be an Alabama player? Well, I mean, it honestly, I'm just so glad that the game is back, and I'm yeah. I'm just glad that it, it doesn't matter who they put on there. Are we going to have to do like a Friday Friday night football podcast? We might have to, because I I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I am very excited for college football this year. We we can just call Fast it Friday football. Yeah, we might come up with some. Who knows? Not just um, that. But the Big Ten signed a $7 billion media rights deal with Fox, uh, NBC, and CBS. Well, uh, I know, you know, yeah, that's, that, that is pretty huge. Um, I, I got a little bit of uh, news to break. It's, it's not really – I mean, I know for anybody who's tuning in who has never listened or watched a bonus episode, our bonus episodes are ad-free, segment-free – uh, sponsorship free. We're dedicating the entire hour conversation to the movie. And uh, if you guys have been under a rock, this entire month has been dedicated to A24. So both on Mondays and Thursdays, we're, we're talking A24 movies. Um, but I got to break that uh, today because August 25th at Rodeo Cinema, we are going to be there for the special live event. You can uh, see a screening of The Room, August 25th, 7 p.m. After the screening, you can meet and greet Greg Sestero. Um, tickets are only 20 bucks to go to this event, but I have a code. If you're listening to this podcast or watching this podcast, you can give the code and get in for just 10 bucks. So oh. it's a Cinnamon Movie Podcast exclusive. The code is Oh, hi, Mark. So, O-H-H-I-M-A-R-K. So, oh, hi, Mark will get you $10 off the ticket just from listening to this podcast. So, go check it out. August 25th, 7 p.m., and you can get in for just $10 with that code. Again, the code is oh, hi, Mark. Let them know that you heard it right here on the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. That's Thursday, August 25th. A week from today, guys, we're going to be going and hanging out and talking to Greg Sestero. Also, a week from today is our final bonus episode of the month for A24 month, First Cow. Next week, me and Zach, next Thursday, we'll be talking about First Cow. 
Um, I'll, I'll try to join as well. Yeah, uh, should be should be a fun episode. If you guys haven't checked out any of the A twenty four movies or any of the A twenty four episodes, highly recommend them. You can go check them out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, but I think it's time to dig in to Under the Silver Lake. Um, a lot of water. A lot of water. <laughs> so that's what we're that's what we're talking about today. Under the Silver Lake, IMDb currently has it at 6.5. Rotten Tomatoes at 58%. The Metascore is at 60%, while the Google users have it at 64%. Um, Me and the, the Google users, get it right. The, the release date was April 19th, 2019, with a budget of $8 million. It only grossed $253,000 in the box office. Oh! So, yeah, it, it didn't do very good. Um, but that's what we're talking about today. Under the Silver Lake, Sam, a disenchanted young man, finds a mysterious woman swinging swimming in his apartment's pool one night. The next morning, she disappears. Sam sets off across LA to find her, and along the way, he uncovers a conspiracy far more bizarre than anything he would have ever imagined. Uh, starring Andrew Garfield, Riley Cano, Topher Grace, Callie Hernandez, Wendy Vandren Hooville, and uh, directed by David Robert Mitchell. Under the Silver Lake, guys, this was actually all of our first times watch. Um, so usually, you know, I'll go around and ask, have you guys... Uh, what was it like, re, you know, watching it for the first time and then revisiting it for this podcast? But it was all a very, very uh, first time watch for all of us. So, uh, Craig, I believe you're the first one who watched the movie. That um, is correct. So we'll go with you first. As soon as the movie was over, a few short words. What'd you think? Bizarre. I just thought it was bizarre. Uh, Edward, uh, I'm going to go with creepy. I'm going to go with disappointing. Possible. Disappointing. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, this movie is weird straight from the beginning. Even when you're like, just, just, man, the squirrel. The squirrel falling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it felt like it was trying to be funny, but creepy. Uh, and just in a way that was very uh, it's just eerie there was just a lot of stuff about this entire film that was just kind of like i don't know it's almost like hey i really want to see this so i'm just gonna get this going i don't care what anybody else thinks i don't care i don't it was it was creepy man that's all it was creepy uh and honestly it was kind of one of those movies that was hard to find if you're if you do stream whatever you uh whatever we usually watch uh craig i know you found it on the hulu subscription through showtime right yeah and then edward i guess you found the same thing but through St the stars, stars app um if you guys have a sling premium subscription fubo tv um but if you just want to rent it you can rent it for uh, two ninety nine on Vudu, two ninety nine on YouTube TV, um, and then it has an Amazon Prime Premium subscription. So, but yeah, uh, 
and this movie, honestly, guys, I don't want to say that I hated it, but after some of the stuff I've read and, you know, the, the trailer seemed real promising and I love Andrew Garfield, the movie just kind of just did not hit me really good pacing wise. And it felt like it was trying to do way too many things in a two hour and 20 minute movie, which felt like a two hour and 45 minute 45. movie. Yeah. No, um, I agree. Um, you know, initially the kind of him trying to get the girl, I think was, it was setting up for something that I thought maybe she was either going to a be like a killer or, uh, you know, cause it wasn't, the, I'm trying to remember it was, it was a week or so before when I watched it, but like there was dog disappearing dogs. disappearing. Yeah, d- dogs, the were dog disappearing, killer, the dog, killers. the dog killer. Yeah. So I thought, I thought that's what it was going to be. Like there was going to be some killer and I had to deal with everything being under the lake or in the lake. Um, and so when he met the girl, I was like, okay, she's obviously a big character. She has to be doing, you know, she's a big part in the story. I just had no idea of the route it was about to go. And, and I mean, and you get the first glimpse of like Sarah, who, you know, is the girl that he just starts falling, falling for. He, she, she seems real interested or he seems real interested in her. Um, but he just seems like somebody that I wouldn't even trust anything with. Andrew Garfield's character in this movie just seems really, really off to me. Creepy. I mean, I'm, well, yeah, not only yeah. creepy, but the whole person, just the whole, just the whole story just seems really off. Yeah. He, he seems fine kind of when he's sitting on the porch and he's just relaxing. Like, you have a nice view of a pool. You're in California. I mean, it's it's the route of how he kind of like he's very jittery, and it's like I understand you you smoke cigarettes and everything, but it almost felt like he was on some hard drugs most of the time. Lacing them cigs. You know, you know what I thought the entire time, whether it's the soundtrack, the score, the the film opening up with him looking through the binoculars, Mm -hmm. um, the posters throughout the whole movie. Who the director of this movie? I felt like he tried to take his own story, and he literally took pieces of every single Alfred Hitchcock movie he's ever seen, and threw it into this entire movie. This entire movie felt like a modern day Alfred Hitchcock wannabe story. Uh, didn't you guys feel like whenever he was on the balcony, kind of looking at the pool, that it was almost like a uh, like rear window, rear window? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it felt um, very much like that, the way it was shot, the way the music was. And then when he was in the car following the girl, it had some sequences of Psycho. Yeah. yeah. Like, I felt like he was he was watching, you know, I mean, he was going through, uh, like, like, it was a Psycho thing. There's for sure a lot of callbacks to older movies, possible influences for that matter. I just, did any of y'all get that he was like, okay, so... I get the jittery and all that, maybe the hard drugs possibility, but like I kind of got paranoia in a way, you know, because he's always watching everybody. He's always got to have his eyes on everybody. You know what I mean? Whether whether it's for his kicks, you know, uh, for more creepish reason, you know, because you know several several times you know, it mentions about him, like, "Oh, did you or, watch me?" Yeah, yeah, you know, or yeah, you watched me down at the pool, and he's like, "Uh, uh." No, no, yeah, I seen you. 
well, you know, and all that, but it's just kind of like, where was like the intention? What was your thought process behind that? Because, you know, he, he, I don't know. It, 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 it's almost like it's kind of a skits or a paranoia kind of thing, you know? And that's even kind of just maybe that's a possibility of adding on to that because I've read a few things that said that he was the dog killer, basically, and that the, the director was pointing that towards that a lot, especially in some of the scenes where it's literally behind him or in front of him on the ground for that matter. And there's the upward shot, um, you know, different stuff like that was apparently pointing to him specifically being the 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 cause of the disappearances of the dogs. And then when he was feeding her dog uh, Coca Cola, uh, the treat. To me, I'm like, I would rather I've got the treat. The dog comes to me. I don't shove the treat down the dog's throat. Because to me, it just looked like he was just like, okay, okay, okay. You know, and the dog's like, dude, back back off, yeah. man. Okay, like, I, I got it. You know? But it's, and, it's also like, what, how did he, with how, like, jittery he was, how did he feel like he could just go down there and hit it off with the girl who saw that he was spying on her? You know what I mean? Like, that. I could see if she maybe like did a, a certain face at him and he felt like, okay, maybe she was into it. She thinks I'm cute, but it felt like they'd never seen each other before then. I kind of feel like Juan's onto something because literally it, I, I feel kind of like it's onto, um, he said, you know, I, uh, Oh shit. Basically it's kind of like, I want you and maybe the director putting him in his life. Kind of like he is Sam for that matter basically like okay there was that one chick that i really should have gone after man and i i, I seen her and I, I would you know watch her just do some little task or i'd watch her at the pool a little bit and then she's gone that never day. did nothing and then yeah you know it, it maybe, and then this was his twist on it yeah you know maybe literally in real life if this actually did happen she wasn't literally gone in a day but like it seemed like man okay tomorrow tomorrow i'm gonna do it you know, and nothing. And then the next yeah. time she, he tried, she's already gone, you know, kind of thing. And because, like, I got to agree, like, it, packing up in the middle of the damn night, whether you have a little bit of stuff or a lot of stuff, like, unless you're just literally it, with a backpack. I, I also got some weird, even though the poster was on his wall, I got some weird Wolfman kind of vibes from it. Like, well, I, like, I think like that he, ties into the dog stuff. Like, well, you say you think he was the dog killer. You think, you know, did you get that just because of something that you may have read online? Or did you personally no, get that vibe when you were watching it? He, he was saying he had read that people thought he was a dog killer. Because I, I remember, like, specifically seeing when he's seeing other people eating, like, you know, he sees he sees the girl, right, eating the squirrel or the dog that was laying on the, on, on the, uh, the yeah. pavement. Yeah. On the trail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, you know, sometimes he'll like kind of space out and then yep. he'll come back and just wake up out of the blue somewhere. You know, he did I that. Mean, he did that a few times in the movie. That's kind of where I think some of the schizophrenia comes in, man. Like, I, I don't necessarily think that that's maybe even what they were trying to do. But at the same time, like, 
to me, it just seems like like he's paranoid, you know, to, on the watching people thing. Like, it's getting his kicks off, and he's paranoid because he's got to know what everybody's doing. Like, oh, well, that's, you know, because when asked, what was that sound? You know, and he's like, oh, listens for a minute, and then he's like, oh, that was the neighbor's parrot. You knew exactly what the, you knew exactly what that sound was exactly like off the bat, you know. I mean, you know, come on now. But like, you know, when when it's not a friend, not a friend, not a friend. What do you guys think though? Of at the end of the or at the beginning of the movie, you you know he's he's having the sex with the actress in, mm-hmm. with a sex scene, and then out of the blue, you get the uh, the disappearance of the billionaire, and oh, that yeah. kind of seems to be the first clue that hey what is this movie really about is it about yeah. dog killers or are we about to go on some kind of spree about a missing billionaire and level up in this yeah kind of so aspects. that's why i get like you know the whole movie to me just kind of felt like it didn't know where it wanted to go yeah yeah i i do agree with ed where i feel like the premise of the movie is maybe the director had an incident where he saw a girl he really wanted to talk to her and then just one day she's gone maybe not in the middle of the night gone but he never got the chance to fully talk to her. And I think this is his take of like, you know, what, what if, if he did? What if, no, just what if he tried to find her after that? Like maybe oh, okay. this yeah, is yeah. why she was gone. And this is kind of his take on it while adding some conspiracy theories to it. And I mean, with, with that, it's kind of like this film's almost like about not necessarily having it or not having it, but it, Maybe it's like, is it is it better to? Is it better to know why they left? Well, that too. But is is it better to have not had it or to have it and lost it? You know what I mean? Because if you don't have it, don't have to worry. It's cool. I've never had a '69 Camaro, so I can't really tell what it's like. But if I had that '69 Camaro and I sold it, man. I really wish I had that car still, you know, kind of thing. But Um, then, you know, going through the movie, he's kind of trying to figure out, you know, all these quote unquote conspiracies with um, messages hidden in the music uh, from the the band. um, What is it? Dracula and the Brides. Yeah. Dracula. Yeah. Um, You know, and so those scenes were kind of weird where he's going through and He's following the girls, and he sees the message on the football field. So you know that something's going on, and you know it's not just him being crazy. And so when he goes and he starts trying to listen to the music, and you're like, you know, because we've all heard those things where if you play the song backwards, oh yeah, like yeah. Uh, Queen, you can hear something, or um, Chicago, or ACDC, or anything like that. Black you can Sabbath hear subliminal is, messages, yeah. and I think that's just kind of his take of adding this to it. Um, yeah, but it's just like, man, like he he went deep with cons- conspiracies in this movie, and oh, I yeah. kind of dig it for that reason, just because I do think there are a lot of things out there that are are hidden to the public eye, but oh yeah, are right in front of you, and so I like that aspect of the movie, but I just think the route they went with it, which ha- it could be real, could be fake, is just very very weird in my opinion or maybe that it's not real and fake or fake it's just inspirations taken from you know oh yeah you you could really you could really tell about the inspirations from from all these movies like it felt like he was taking inspirations from stanley kubert movies 
it felt like he was taking a, uh, the whole movie to me felt like an updated Hitchcock movie. So yeah. both of the, you know, the director just obviously you could feel like he just took any and everything he could. I don't know if you guys ever seen, uh, uh, it's a Tom Cruise movie. I'm not sure, but yeah, it was like the entire thing just felt like he was, uh, I mean, which is, which is not a bad thing. If you're going to have two directors that you're going to follow off of, Kubrick and Hitchcock are two of the greatest of all time. Um, that's why I just felt this movie was just, I don't know. A maybe little too, maybe a little too copycatted to where no, no, you were I, trying too hard to be like them and it wasn't your own thing. No, I felt like he had just the right amount to where you could tell what he was doing, but I still feel like the story did not know where he wanted to go. Like he, did he want it to be about a, people killing dogs? Did he want it to be about people, uh, finding love yeah like there was just so many there's probably three or four main pot plots that you could have went off and then the ending was just something completely felt like it was thrown together out of nowhere out of left yeah. field and maybe that's and it was a letdown to me the, the maybe, ending yeah. was maybe that's what they were trying to do but um yeah him following and finding the girls that are in like the the uh the star hotline was weird um, but him finding the guy that had like the secret room in his house and he showed him and he's like, you know, this map matches up to, uh, what, what's the lake called under the silver lake, Sil silver lake. He's like, this map matches up to it. It's like a complete one-to-one. -one. Like, I felt like once they hit that spot is kind of when you knew like, okay, so he's, there's, there's something going on in this town that is there but people don't know about and i feel like that's kind of when the the story got traction but all these side things i agree it it pulled you away from what you thought was going to be the plot whereas it was following this line and but it was like this is over here as well oh yeah there's this there's this and like the the lady that came into the house at night to kill people <laughs> the, the, owl. The, the owl lady like i i still don't know what that was about I mean, like, that was, I, I don't know if that was, like, a misdirection kind of deal of, like, oh, she's the one who made the billionaire disappear in a way. But, or if it was just, like... But, no, it's still got to be something because it was in the movie. She came after Andrew Garfield's character. So, it's, like, is she a huntress of people that aren't supposed to know what's going on? Is right. she, you know, it's just, it's weird. And, you know, and she does end up getting the guy in the house that's the conspiracy theorist. Um, the comic guy, the comic guy. It's like, so you don't like, I feel like that was completely unanswered. And, you know, whenever he does kind of go through the tunnels and finds out that it leads to the guy who, which was a ridiculous and kind of disturbing scene with the old man writing the music. And he's like, I write all the music <laughs> that you've ever seen or heard in your life. And that's all from me. And it kind of made me think like, it makes well, I mean, sense because some bands have like banger after banger, and then the rest of their CD is complete doo doo. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, that's another thing. Like, was was this movie about a songwriter more right. than it was anything, or even since, or even about like a time where the the director or one of the producers might have met a songwriter, you know, and just like several different ones, he was like, "Well, is there anything you uh, have written or?" 
composed that people don't know and he's like well yeah there's i helped co-write this and co-write that and i did lyrics for this or yeah yeah you know and i mean i'm sure there's a lot of people out there like that because there's a ton of people whether it's beats whether it's you know lyrics whether it's full songs for that matter that have you know done that and then a bigger artist or a big uh indie artist even will go ahead and take that spin it just a little bit and produce their own music that you know oh top of the you know top of the charts and all that kind of stuff billboard 100 there you go but i mean i don't know a lot of this to me was just creepy man like i felt like it it was just like there's too much to follow in the original plot and i mean and i mean the synopsis doesn't even really do any any of it justice um you know and it's yeah a disenchanted 33 year old who discovers a mystery woman in his apartment swimming pool which i mean is or is he just so crazy is he just so out there that he's the he's the reason she went missing did he is he the one who killed her and throughout the whole movie, is he the one who's going out and trying to make it his duty to find her to make himself feel better for killing her? Because, I mean, there was a lot of the trios of females. You know, there was the show that... trio, the the superstar whatever trio, the trio of girls that Sarah became in, you know, and all that. They're the roommates, I guess, she was with. The dolls, they were a trio. There was just a lot of that. And apparently there's a lot of symbolism and well, codes I, in this. You know, Johnny, after you say that, that that kind of makes sense to where like he is the reason she's gone and he did kill her. And and you know what? I mean, how more Hitchcock can you get than this? Andrew Garfield's name in the movie is what? Sam. Sam. Yeah. Going back to Psycho like yeah. you, and and I think, you know, and, and everybody else's name is nobody has a name. You have Sam, Sarah, and then Sarah. After, after that, uh, Topher Grace's bar buddy. Uh, you have dancing um, girl, yeah, dancing balloon girl, or balloon girl, topless bird woman, mom, actress, uh, Boto Box reporter. So it's just very, but yeah, I, I just, I just want to get this. So I agree with you, Johnny. Like. What if, and I, I kind of want to go back and rewatch it now. What if <laughs> this whole thing is like he sees the girl, he deals with her that night, and she's like, okay, that's it. You need to go. And he gets so upset that she made him leave, and he saw that other people were there, that he goes home, maybe drinks a little bit too much, and then kills her. And he's the one that completely empties the apartment to make sure that there's nothing left behind. Yeah. And then his entire makeup of the rest of the film is so outlandish because he's trying to make it right in his head that it's not his fault that or it's he's not the reason she's missing. Yeah. And so he comes to a conclusion at the end where she's in a place that nobody can find her. And that's where she is. She's not dead. Like that would make complete sense. Because, I mean, like, even the fireworks, you know, they were a little strange. Like, you just walk out and, oh, there's fireworks, you know, in my... Because throughout the whole movie, there's... Throughout the whole movie, there's uh, seasoning 
sprinkled throughout the entire movie about how he is just using every single piece of evidence he can to not only find this person, but to, to spy on anybody he could. There's the scene with Topher Grace with the drone. Yeah. You know, and she sees the girl that he's spying on is completely just broken down and crying. And who's to say she's not crying because she sees the drone and she knows what's coming. Yeah. And maybe, I, you know, I was thinking about this too when the movie, when I was watching the movie, usually in movies where they don't have names and they just have names like bartender, the only two people that matter in the movie are Sarah and Sam. Maybe everybody else, he's completely made up in his mind. And that's true. And that's Cut why me. they're named and they're, you know, called. They're named after what he's seen yeah. or what he's made, made them to he be. He doesn't know their name. They're just characters he created. But that's, I mean, that's, this movie is so A24 that you just can't picture but to sit there and, and $8 million for an A24 movie is a huge budget. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. And, you know, I mean, you have two Spider-Man alumni. (laughs) Why not kind of thing, you know? Yeah, well, (laughs) um, but like like I said, once he goes through the tunnels and finds the singer and the the owl girl, the songwriter, like it's, just, it, it's yeah, the songwriter, the owl girl. It's just kind of like, where are we what, going with this? Yeah, and then, the and then you have book. the then you have the death scene of the piano man, uh, yeah. which, which is, is what I, which is what I named him. Yeah. Um, which yeah, he insane. he kills the piano man. Yeah, so like. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, there's he. The only real death in this movie that we see is him. Did he kill the comic book guy? Because, you know what I mean? Is the owl girl of a, a fixture of his imagination? And then you uh, have. Is she, are you? Is she? I. I have somebody written down as the escort girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then She's you have the, show, the call girls. Yeah, and then what do you? What do you guys think of the whole cemetery drive-in showing? Of that movie in the cemetery, which I felt was very, very eerie, and almost felt like, again, like it was almost make believe. Yeah, it felt uh, like you were not supposed to be there. Yeah, it, it, and you know, if you're trying to hide something and not be, you know, noticeable, and you're you're these movie call girls that are essentially like first round draft picks for these rich people that want to go and live underground, uh, which is the ending so there's that but yeah i mean when he when he finds the bum and the whole the bum lingo where it's like this sign means you're safe three lines means that it's not safe to come in here like i thought that was pretty cool that they're using actual symbolism symbolism for i don't know if it's real or not but like right for what maybe like homeless people do use for others to be like, hey, you can't come in here. It's not and, safe. You and then you have out. the homeless king. Yeah. It kind and of felt like the brotherhood, the dark brotherhood from Skyrim in a way. And then the girl that he he swam with in the Silver Lake who got shot, yep. that was Sarah, the, right? No, not no, Sarah. Um, that was the, the rich guy's daughter. Right. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, who killed her? Did he kill her? You know, because it shows that she got shot, and he looks, and she looks just like the magazine that he fell, fell in, fell in yep. love with. But yep. 
like is that a symbolism of him trying to make it look like something that he's seen before? Recreating. You know, did, did he kill her? And you know, so it's just you know what we're talking about in spitballing is so outlandish, but it is a twenty-four that it just might be weird enough that it's really what might be trying it. to go for. <laughs> um. So when he when he ends up getting to the end, um, you know, the whole thing is he finds the three girls that he is following and questioning about how or where Sarah is. And they're in a house with a guy, well, not even a house, it's like a shack. And they explain to him that rich people are essentially entombed. I, I, is it like a ritual to be entombed? Is it they, they don't want to deal with the outside nonsense anymore i thought we were gonna get a midsummer ending with that little hut looking thing <laughs> right they're all dressed in white yeah yeah i thought he was about to walk into like some kind of uh <laughs> yeah it, the, the ward rhymes with origami yeah <laughs> i'm trying to think of something else to be funny but but yeah, I mean, they just explained to him, like, hey, we're three chosen people to go live down with this rich guy. And he disappeared, and she disappeared with them because they're faking deaths and they're living in this enclosed tomb beneath. And sort of like, I kind of found it strange on how the, uh, the call works. You know, they can call you, but you can't call out because it's a one way phone, you know? Because yeah. It's kind of like okay, you know, everything was getting too, uh, too like I don't remember the exact word he used, but basically like overwhelmed or overwhelming. Yeah, and it was kind of like, why it, are people wanting to get out and just don't like it? Like, yeah, no, they you know. they said like there were people that, you know, they tried to get out once they got in, but there is no way to get out, and if you try to call out, yep. you know, you'll you'll ruin the secret because you don't care anymore, um, and so. Like, so to me, it's almost like, why in the hell is this such, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't know, it, 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 it's just. It's because don't... of your, once you do it, you're simply, you're, you're, you're giving your soul up to be on the higher plane uh, of existence when you're, when you're done down there. Like, there's no, you could be down there for a week or a month, but it's, eventually you're, you're going to be up there. And you won't die. And then what's up with the what was up with all the different parties he was going to? Like you know, you had the cookie party where you, you the the oh, ticket yeah. was the cookie, and he yeah. ate that and he ate the whole thing and he got sick. And then you I have, think like, it's the, just a chess I, mixer. I think it's just a coup of multiple events for people to attend to to kind of maybe get their um, what do they call it rumspringa. You know, so Rumspring is a time for Amish people to go out and experience the final things before they come back to live that lifestyle. So I wonder if those events are all essentially Rumspring events for the people that are going down to live in these tombs. It's it's their one last get out right. before you're in, 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 entombed. And maybe that's what they could be, but it was just like they were all awkward. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, because I mean, that one girl, she was all happy, fun, dancing, and all that. Even, you know, they noted it in the scene. And all of a sudden, you know, everybody starts getting text messages and she's still partying up. And then that girl comes over and says something and she just walks directly. So it's like, okay, 
does it fall to you now and you're trying to just get the hell away and go down into the the bunker or whatever you want to call it and go go to your hide hole yeah you know like well you know well we're talking about symbolism and so there's one guy and three girls that go into these tombs yep dracula and the brides yep one male and three brides so it symbolizes it very early on what the idea is. And so, I again, it's the symbolism of them, of it being in their music. And I think that's the symbolism of whoever put that band together to say, like, hey, this is what we're offering. And this is how you get here. And here's the symbol, you know, this is how you decode it and get to this point. And it's just like, when he calls her and he's talking to her and he's like, yeah, I wish you were still up here. And she starts crying. I'm just like, are they going to offer to find a way to put him in the tomb with the people that he's in the hut with? Like the three girls and the guy. I thought they were going to offer that. Cause you knew there was something wrong automatically with her whenever she's like, Hey, can you take this? I, I'm going to take this in the other room. Like you're like, okay, what the hell just happened here? What's yeah. going on with you? It's just, uh, it's it's so outlandish to even think that things like that could be happening. That it was kind of like, I don't know, disturbing that maybe people do think that way. Yeah. Like, that could really be happening. And maybe it's not just something that he made up in his mind, but it's actually, you know, because there's talk that things are putting, to, put, things are put into media to kind of desensitize our thoughts towards it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. um, you see I something mean, so repetitively that if it were to come out that it happened, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that happens all the time. Well, I mean, because that's supposedly and I know I'm kind of jumping off the rails here, but, you know, aliens for that matter. This whole it, movie is, is off yeah. the rail, honestly. So you're good, <laughs> I think. It, it's kind of like, you know, aliens. I, I think like if a predator looking species or a, a, a xenomorph or maybe even like gray was to happen. I don't think many of us would be too no bullshit freaked out. <laughs> well, no, I'm there, not saying there would like, be some people that would be so so used to seeing that they'd be like, I, I want to experience that. I do agree with oh, that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and I mean that that's kind of the thing because you know, g- going to an a, a th- I don't exactly remember where I heard it, but basically it's kind of like if you put the cattle in a straight line in a slaughterhouse, that straight line, they'll see the next cow getting slaughtered, they will freak out. It will be a complete and total nightmare. If you put them in a chute that weaves around, that's how you get it because literally that weaving process, they only see this one over here and then they see that one over here and they're good. They don't see the one getting slaughtered. It's cool because, and you know, I I feel... I, I. some of me, and I know this is kind of conspiracy theory-ish, but some of me does feel that that is real. That oh, absolutely. There's there's uh, not diversions. necessarily fake news, but news is you know let's record on this one thing so much that and yeah, distractions. Yeah, but no, I agree. I know. definitely agree that there's there's stuff like that happening today. And, and... I mean, maybe that was kind of. A, a, a small precipice of this that he created it in his mind kind of like a Tyler Durden fight club kind of thing 
you know, um, yeah, as well as a mix with the Hitchcock and with the Kubrick, and I don't know. It's kind of a. I yeah. I, I, I I do think after talking about it, this is because it is like the dog killer. You yeah. know, he he hears the animal and he he has dog treats. You know, the oh. whole thing with dog treats and leading them. Is that his way to lure dogs to kill them? You know, maybe he does have the schizophrenic side where he is out killing people because he always seemed tired. He always yeah. fell asleep in random places. He was always itchy and twitchy and spying on other things. So maybe that is like the precipice of the story. He's just a, a serial killer that's killing women and dogs. That's why the three women are gone. That's why the billionaire's gone. And that's why the, there's like a dog killer. And his remember, whole... remember his the biggest thing in this movie is he's always being threatened to get kicked out of his apartment, evicted. Yep. Yeah. And in the very last scene, where the one of the very last scenes where he's you know the apartment is the issue, the security guard gives him the chance. He's like, you know what, I'm going to give you one more day. And he's just so sure that he's going to come into all this money. What if it's because he's the one who kidnapped? The billionaire, yeah, yeah, you know, and he's so because sure you never he, see him go to jo- go to work. He doesn't no. have a job, and even even the, there's even that scene where he him and the uh, uh, the billionaire's daughter walks past him. You know, he's like I have more money, and he turns around, really irritates Andrew Garfield's character. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I, I think we're kind of unpeeling the onion that he, he set out to do. And I I think it's just a messy, messy, multi-layered, like you got an onion, then you got a layer of of something else. So uh, so let's talk about the timeline at least for a minute. Um, this movie debuted in 2018 at the Kings Film, Kane's Film Festival, which is a highly, yeah. you know, precious film festival. <laughs> usually, usually every festival that gets released from Canes does really good, and most of, mo, mo, most of the time it becomes <laughs> a movie that could be nominated for Best Picture or something. But let's take a look at the A24 timeline here. Um, right around this movie, you have uh, Hereditary had already came out, Eighth Grade, Mid 90s, uh, First Reformed, Moonlight had just got done winning Best Picture. Um, so A24 had already been established, and it's Andrew Garfield. What what in the blue hell happened to where it only made 800 and – or not even 800. It only made $253,000 at the box office. I honestly, honestly don't remember this being marketed. I but don't honestly, this honestly though, out. between you two – this is no jab to anybody, but between you two – when do you guys really remember any maybe A24 movie being kind of, you know, kind of marketed? Unless it's something like maybe a Midsummer or Hereditary. Like Hereditary, I remember. Midsummer, I do not. Uh, even, even, mov- even movies you know. around this time that had won, even won awards like Moonlight, The Souvenir. I, I remember Moonlight. I remember Moonlight vividly being talked about. Uh, first Reformed. Like, there. I mean, I, I don't... There, yeah, there's movies in the A24 locker that just some people are like, I've never heard of it, but it's made two or three million dollars, yeah. which is a lot better than two hundred and fifty-three 
thousand dollars. And maybe it was one of those films where they made it and they spent a big budget on it and they thought it was going to be good and it just didn't me, get a good reception at the Cannes Film Festival. So let me even go back. Way. Yeah, let me even go back. Yeah, this because I mean, yeah, maybe it was direct. Let me see if I read it wrong. No, I didn't. That, yeah, it, budget eight million. Uh, two. Two, yeah, two hundred and fifty-three thousand dollars at the box office. That's that's just insane. That I mean, that's Top Gun made that in a week last week. You know, what I mean, like in one theater probably put oh, that out. No, so I think you are reading that wrong. So, right here on, well, you know what? I'm just gonna. Go ahead and actually search up box office instead. No, of here it is. The that. budget. The budget was eight million dollars. Yeah, the budget was eight million, but it made two point five three million. Oh yeah, okay. To, but I mean, still, like it didn't. It made almost. It made just over a quarter. A quarter of its uh, money back. So I mean, yeah, that's still. It's still six under. Yeah, you know. So I mean, that that's that's still a huge loss right there. And that's, that's a huge loss. Again, like I said, maybe they just didn't get good reception at Kane's Film Festival. So they Possible. put it out in select theaters, you know, hoping maybe just a few people will see it. And, you know, maybe it was, you know, kind of like we said, it's just so condensed, no, not, not condensed, but so convoluted with everything in it that people didn't get a good grasp on it. They didn't really talk to anybody about it because they didn't understand what it was. It's hard to market something or or do word of mouth when you don't understand it, and yeah. so yeah, like yes, here's here's, had- here's here's a negative review from uh, the Village Voice saying, uh, and I quote: "If you're going to make a postmodern knee nor sex conspiracy set in Los Angeles, it helps to have some kind of personality for the film, or at least a sense of style." Mitchell has interesting ideas and his actors seem to be having fun, but that's not enough when the film itself lacks atmosphere or tension or even emotional engagement. Yeah. It's pretty spot on. I mean, there was, there was nothing in it where you were like, man, I hope this character pulls through. There was nothing in it where you, man, I hope he gets the girl. There was no connection in it. It was just kind of like, you know, this is weird, uh, and you really only stayed to watch it because you weren't sure what was going on. And I think that's that's a failure on the director's part. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not a that's not an actor being bad. That's not a script being bad. Well, yeah, that's a script being bad. But that's that's the director not putting not scenes, directing correctly scenes to, scenes scenes in a line to make make it make sense. So. It, it I mean, falls on the director and the producer at that point. Well, you can have the best actors, and I mean, sure, you're going to have the name and all that, and it'll get marketed well. But at the end of the day, you know, it, okay, Top Gun. I mean, don't get me wrong; it's a it's a movie about pilots and all that. And I mean, it's cool as hell. Don't get me wrong, but this mm-hmm. thing is a box office juggernaut right and now. And this this is going to be funny because this is one of the movies that me and Ed kind of go back and forth on. Mm-hmm. But the director has only directed two feature length films. Mm-hmm. And the first one is It Follows from 2014. <laughs> and yep. then this one from 2018. So he's only done these two movies. Um, how I've, I mean, how I am. I'm in love with It Follows and how it's just so 
it's it's and you know now looking at both of these movies it follows as basic and an original idea but it's almost like now this one under the silver lake he's like oh i have to make it 10 times better than that let me throw in 10 different stories two different plots a no twist and maybe let me try to make it better so i mean it feels like he had no expectations going into it follows and he was kind of you know he, he he didn't knock it out of the park but since he had no expectations he made a decent original idea about a walking killing std and now this one it's kind of like dude what happened to your original ideas because i mean i will say that it follows is better than this in my opinion i mean it, it, it is i don't i don't like this it follows i really don't but at the same time like i would rather watch that than this again um I like Andrew Garfield. You know, I don't, I don't Grace, know. With, I like, but with with, yeah. with the thought of him being a schizophrenic killer that doesn't know he's the one killing, and he's just setting up a story to um, make the disappearances make sense in his town. And see, when you when you think about it that way, if you now if I, I'm the same way, Craig, I honestly really had no desire for a rewatch. But after us just sitting here and spitballing ideas, now I'm kind of like. Is. I kind of want to go back and see if there's any clues that might point to that. Yeah. Because he, the guy even said, I think it was the homeless man, he's like, why are you holding dog treats? Yeah. Why are there dog treats in your pockets? And he's like, oh, for the ex-girlfriend, hoping she comes back. It never mentioned he had an ex-girlfriend. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not going to go ahead and keep a bunch of freaking dog treats in my pocket. I don't care if you've got 60 dogs and that's the way to your heart or not. Like, uh, like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, that's strange. I I think with that thought process in mind, this film might be a little more enjoyable. Or even to go back and maybe dig into the special features and see what was said. Yeah, yeah. But uh, before we get into a favorite a favorite scene, though, guys. Craig, we'll start with you. What did you think of the actual ending where he's just, again, standing there staring out into the space? Um, yeah, so pretty much he's, uh, you know, he, he talks to the people and they give him the whole spiel that, you know, this is not uh, like a cult or anything. This is what rich people do. They go down here and live in these encased tombs with three women. And they're like, as long as you don't tell anybody, you're good to go which would never happen. They're going to no. kill you, yeah. um, which kind of points to him making this all up. Um, and then he's just standing on the porch, and then he goes and, like, yeah, that's just, he's just looking in the night. It's just, you would think somebody who's been through something so bizarre and, you know, dealt with the person who tried to kill him and the night owl lady, there would be a little more to it. But he's still living in the apartment, but we never saw him get a job. So, like, like, it's just make it make sense for something, a part of this movie. So that's, at the end of it, I was just a little, like, like you said, Johnny, I was disappointed because it gives you an ending, but it doesn't really explain anything. You don't, you don't get no payoff. It, it explains why the girl's missing, but it doesn't explain anything else in the movie. So, yes, there's no payoff. Um, but I... I for, for I'll just go right into favorite scenes. I did enjoy 
just some of the scenes where he's trying to break down the music and he's writing down all of the codes and he puts the map out of the cereal box to Silver Lake and it's the Mario map and uh, or not Mario Zelda I think um, but it was just like stuff like that I really enjoyed I really enjoyed that stuff I just wish it tied all together and made sense yeah yeah um, if I had a favorite scene that I had to pick right off hand I would say the scene where he is talking to the songwriter and then he kills the piano man or the songwriter. And then uh, honestly, that some of the dialogue that he did share between him and Topher Grace was pretty, was pretty interesting. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, there's some great scenes, but if I had to name just two favorite ones, it would be those. Ed, what about you? Do you have a favorite scene? Um, I mean, if I have to actually say a favorite scene, I, I kind of want to go with the music uh him going up to the guy that you know was composing all the music and stuff like that supposedly oh in the bathroom where he was kicking his ass <laughs> you know cuz i mean don't wrong whenever he's like just playing and then all of a sudden just brings out a freaking pistol it's just like oh shit <laughs> you know and then he hits several different instruments and a uh an amp and then he hits a gong and all that and then he just waylays him with a freaking I don't know if it was a guitar or a bass. I wasn't really truly focused on that, but yeah, no, that would be the one scene I kind of really liked. Uh, yeah, Johnny, the, the the bathroom scene when he's beating up the musician and he's like, "Why did you write the song? What's the message?" And he's like, "I don't know, man. He just somebody my my studio my record label gives it to me and they tell me to sing it. Like that's what some musicians do." Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a, I'm not a musician. I've never been in that business, but you can kind of see from how people talk and who's written and directed songs where they probably are just given songs and they're like, "It's gonna fit your style. You're gonna sing it. It's gonna be a hit." Okay. And so, and it, it kind of makes sense too because some songs aren't that catchy, but they're played on the radio continuously uh-huh. and they're almost force fed to you to be good songs. Yeah. So yeah. that's also interesting. Um Ed, we're gonna start with you. Star rating for Under the Silver Lake. Uh honestly, I'm gonna have to go with a five. I I don't really have any desire to pick this up again. I hate to do that to Andrew Garfield and Topher Grace. There was a couple things I did like about the movie, but not much in my mind to really save it and make it good but yeah uh i'm gonna give this movie a six um and it's solely based on the it first drag it, it, yeah first time watch it dragging and honestly i just don't know and you know if it wasn't for this conversation i don't know if if i would have the desire to rewatch it again um you know and, and yeah, things have been so crazy lately. I don't know if I'm going to rewatch it again anytime soon. But you know what? It will. I mean, it's part of the A24 catalog. I will will give it that. But yeah, sometimes, like I said, I'm a I'm a huge A24 fan. But sometimes they have some misses. You know, even yeah. though the, this, even though the storyboard is there, and you know they they uh they're my dogs, they're my boys. But sometimes they they have some some misses. They have more hits than misses. But sometimes it's, you know, they still have misses. So I'm going to give this one a six just because. And then, again, the ending was uh, was just a letdown. You know, there was no big payoff 
there was no A24 ending. So if he would have just shot himself after she was like he, already yeah. in yeah, <laughs> he, he, even that he, that would have been something. You know, or if yeah. he just looked down at the uh if he just looked down at something and it had like a map of who's next. I don't know. Uh but yeah, I'm going to give it a 6. Again, a 6 is not bad. We'll use those Zachary's phrase, you know, 6 is fine. You know, it's fine. It's so, fine. Cr- Craig, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with a six as well. Um, the movie itself was slow at, at times, but it, it kept you wanting to watch it. So it wasn't completely terrible. Um, it did have enough to keep you like second guessing stuff. I just think it had too much of it and it didn't really follow any of the plots with that. And, you know, with that being said, after us talking about it and and the possibility of him just being insane and making up the story on why these people are disappearing and and all of that this movie could go up it could yeah. go down with that in mind um so uh, there are some good scenes the the score is good um I, I think it just deserves a second watch for me personally so i'm just going to give it a 6 yeah um let us know your star rating out there. You guys can uh, Facebook us at facebook.com forward slash the cinnamon movie podcast. The Instagram is one word slash the cinnamon movie podcast. Uh, hit us up on the Twitter hashtag under the silver lake. Uh, the Twitter is at cinnamon four zero five, or you can email us, uh, which is the easiest way to get a hold of us. Uh, email us at C I N E M E N nine two one at gmail.com. That's cinnamon nine two one at gmail.com. Um, so yeah, let us know your star rating and we'll read it aloud Monday on the episode, uh, guys, but, uh, you know, we, we don't have that many coming up left, but Monday, August 22nd, we're talking about men, the new horror movie from a 24 that recently just came out on Blu-ray. It is from the same writers and directors of X Machina. So we'll, we'll check it out. We'll get to, uh, talk about our top five favorite male a24 characters we talked about females a few weeks ago um but since we're talking about men let's talk about our top five men characters from a24 (laughs) so uh another another bonus episode in the books um guys you have anything else you want to talk about before we head on to men on monday nah man i mean honestly you know have your own opinion about a uh film and go from there but yeah this is ed saying i'll see you on the silver screen yeah guys don't forget checking us out this monday august 22nd as we review men right here monday craig you have anything else you would add um i just want to say like uh you know like it's Watching these movies, A24, if, if you guys out there are following along and, and listening and watching and watching the movies with us, you got to go in with an open mind. Um, I, and, and, you know, Ed gave it a five. I We both gave it a six. It, the movie could be a huge miss or we could just be missing something. So I think with A24, you know, you just got to kind of, be open that they're not going to follow the same blueprint as everything else. Yeah. Um, so just be open to that and, and enjoy it the first time you watch it. If it's bad, it's bad and you don't like it. Cool. If, if not, Hey, more power to you. 
And then, uh, guys, I'm gonna go ahead and announce it now. But se- Monday, September the fifth, uh, we're starting we're starting spooky season off with uh, the Black Phone. Uh, that's gonna be the episode that we uh, the movie that we review Monday, August the fifth. Uh, you guys can watch it now on Peacock, um, starring Ethan Hawke. But that's what we're talking about Monday, September the fifth. Black Phone should be a fun conversation. Uh, it's gotten a lot of praise over the last few months. So it should be pretty fun to sit and dig into. So um, unless you guys have anything else, uh, this is Juan. And I'll say we'll see you Monday when we talk about men right here on the Cinnamon Movie Podcast. Later. See ya.